Uh, we haven't shot down any balloons in a while. It's been more than a week now. In all four objects were shot down over the U.S. and Canada. Uh, the very first one is, according to the United States, a Chinese surveillance balloon. The other three, probably not. Uh, so while we're no longer talking about balloons in our airspace, we definitely are talking about the state of Canada's national defense capabilities. And just this weekend, Peter McKay, the former defense minister, was on the West Block with Mercedes Stevenson. And she asked, you know, when it comes down to how we police our airspace and the involvement with NORAD, is it all the U.S.? Does Canada even have a voice in these discussions? We have a voice, to be sure. But in this case, make no mistake, the Americans called the shot and, and took the shot with their aircraft and and their missiles, which, by the way, are about a half a million dollars a pop. But we're losing face and we're, we're losing that influence when we're not upping our game. We don't have uh, modern aircraft. We don't have the, the ships that we need. We certainly don't have the, the number of submarines that the U.S. and the U.K. and others have. And that's why, frankly, we weren't invited to the table with this new organization called AUKUS, which is the equivalent of the Five Eyes. So we, we are on a downward spiral. We're, uh, we're not paying um, our commitment to NATO with respect to the, the percentage of GDP. All of this in, in accumulation does diminish Canada's voice at a lot of tables. And that's been a constant discussion since this all started developing a couple of weeks ago now. And it hasn't stopped. And we talked about this before in other instances, uh, with Christian Luprecht, who's a professor at the Royal Military College and Queen's University, editor of the Canadian Military Journal, and author of Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft, published by the Oxford University Press. Christian, thanks for joining us. I always appreciate your time. Shay, good morning. Um, you heard the comments from uh, former Defence Minister Peter McKay. Is he making too much of this? You and I have talked about this before. Is he right to say that we've completely neglected our role and responsibilities and, and we're paying for it now? Yeah, so the trouble that Canada has is, on the one hand, it's a bit sort of like your variety pack at the beer store, that in these alliances, not all members are like sort of equally. And Canada had traditionally been a flavor that was well-liked, in mm -hmm. part because Canada could be relied upon. The Americans wouldn't need to worry about uh, us being able to provide our own capabilities to transport ourselves there, to sustain ourselves there, to provide secure communications, to be interoperable with the Americans. And so the more so the Americans feel that they have to do the heavy lifting for us, the more that cuts us out of conversations. And then there's the other side of that conversation, which is what Peter McKay, sort of, of course, a very experienced former minister of defense, I think, understands quite well that it's uh, it's not just about. Uh, being at the table, but the voice that you have at the table and your ability to shape the terrain, to shape the conversation, the topics, and how that sort of uh, in the end shakes out is very much related to your ability to make real, to have real capabilities and to make commitments around these capabilities. And Ken has always said for years, for 20 years, don't worry about the cash, we've got the capabilities and commitments. And I think we're seeing whether it's on the Ukraine front or uh, what transpired mm -hmm. over the continental airspace, uh, that uh, without the cash commitments and reinvestment to reconstitute the organization, um, our um, capabilities are diminishing rapidly. He made a good point. You and I have talked about this before, and that's defense of the Arctic. Uh, and he says, you know, the incident that's happened, a lot of it did happen in the north. I mean, not that far north, but in the north. Um, and says this just really highlights it. When it comes to that discussion and that conversation about our lack of capability, um, how much do you think was borne out by these balloon incidents? Like, was this the shining example of what we've been talking about all along? Did we learn a lot from this? 
Yeah, so yes and no. So the Americans responded with the F-22, arguably the most advanced fighter jet in the world. The F-22 is not for sale. So even if Canada wanted that airplane, it wouldn't have access to that particular capability. But that shows you that the uh, extent of the technology that the Americans felt was required in order to understand, uh, identify those balloons and to be able to intercept them effectively. And so, of course, if we're showing up with a third year old car which essentially is what the cf-18 is now it has gone through some upgrades or so um you know listeners might appreciate that that's going to give you a very different response and very different effect than if you're uh, showing up with the most advanced fighter jet in the world and that was also i think a signal um to the adversarial malicious actor that ultimately sent these balloons and let them drift into our airspace uh, that the united states is committed to um deploying whatever technology is necessary to keep the continent safe and of course um with the cf-18s we can't be arguing that we're making that same Mm -hmm. uh, sort of statement to deter an adversary uh, in terms of what we are doing, and I think that's the focus here, um, you know, we, I was really surprised to find out that our, our defense spending was actually a smaller percentage of GDP in 2022 than it was in 2021, despite the fact that, you know, our, our federal government has stood up and said, we need to do more, we recognize we need to do more, and we will do more. Um, I mean, maybe GDP, I, 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 don't, I, we're, I mean, are, are we doing what we keep saying we're going to do? Well, other countries have pegged their defense spending to the growth of their economy. Right. Uh, in Canada, we have chosen not to do that. Now, of course, in Canada, the 2% target has always been an aspirational target from the beginning. And if Latvia spends 2% on defense or Canada spends 2% on defense, you're bound to get very different types yeah. of effects. Um, and nonetheless, uh, there comes a point where ultimately, and then, you know, there's the detractors who say, look, the department returned one point three billion i think yet last year you know, from its fiscal year that was unable to spend um so it's not just about money it's also making sure we update the rules the regulations the policies all of which is extremely cumbersome uh, in canada as we know with our uh, broader defense procurement projects and so uh, it's not just about more money it's actually about a political commitment to get the project that we commit to through um on time on budget and with the capabilities that we actually procured are we doing that? I mean, we, we've heard about the, the fighter jets, like you mentioned. I mean, there's more than that, though. I mean, Peter McKay was talking also about, you know, we need to have uh, deep water refueling installations in the north. We've been talking about that for years. It hasn't been completed yet. So are, are we doing the things we need to do, Christian? Well, we have to do too many things on too many fronts yeah, all yeah. at the same time. We need to have a conversation about submarines. Our submarines are simply not fit for purpose for what's required. Uh, we're now having a conversation about uh, air defense, a capability that we abandoned about a dozen years ago, ago and now realize we need. But really, fundamentally, what Canadians, the conversation we really need to have is about people. The organization is a good uh, 20% short on operational people. And so um, we, the government continues to try to do... Um, um, uh, to, to have this very broad sort of commitments on domestic operations, on continental defense, and on supporting um, uh, allies and partners in international security uh, with an organization that simply does not have the staff to maintain yeah. uh, the operational tempo that uh, we've been on. And so either the government doubles down on uh, recruitment and makes a real commitment, making sure that we have the people the organization needs, or uh, it decides to shrink the organization 
organization, explain to our allies that we simply don't have the commitment uh, and the capabilities, and so we end up going to do less. But sort of this trying to continue to thread the needle is simply not going to work. Yeah, it's not. It's not working. We should know that by now. Christian, thank you as always. Appreciate your time, sir. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.